But these, I, I've simply entitled it Imperatives for 2021. And, and when I say imperatives, I'm talking about vital importance or things that are all important. They're crucial, they're critical, they're essential, and so forth. And so when I talk about these things, I really feel God wants to say something to us as his church family. Of course, you know I love uh, Pastor Todd and Missy and their family. I'm so proud of them and, and through this. This is a most difficult time to be a pastor. And I've talked to many pastors, and we are blessed. And I, I want to thank God for them. I thank God for you who have stood by this ministry and have been faithful and committed. I, I really, you, you really don't know what that means to me. And I praise God for you and the way that you love the Lord and the way that some of you continue to step into leadership and you're going forward, you're not stopping, you're allowing God to expand you and expand the tent that you have. And I want to encourage you to continue to do that. I praise the Lord for you. Uh, I don't have to tell you, of course, about the challenges we've been through. It's been a year that we have dealt with so many different things from different angles. It's been a year of exposed corruption in our country. Of course, you know in politics, and there's a lack of character in our country. And it seems we, I hope we have come to the place. I appreciate my government. I appreciate that. I submit to government because that is what the Word of God says in Romans 13. I submit to that, but I am, I am convinced that the answer for the future of America is not Washington, D.C. The answer for America is for the church to rise and be the church New Testament style that God wants it to be. And I, I dare say to you that most churches in our nation uh, are not New Testament type churches. Some have become very political. Some have become uh, just fellowship and like a social gathering. And many places, the Word of God isn't even taught or preached. They preach about politics. They preach about different subjects. And so there's a time in our country that if the church does not arise, the reason that we may not be written, and some say we are in different places, but you don't see our influence in the end time with Israel, and I thank God for what we have done so far for Israel, how we have moved the capital or the, uh, the, the, the uh, embassy of, of Israel to Jerusalem, recognizing that Jerusalem belongs to the Israelites, and according to the Scripture, it does. And I thank God for the way we have supported Israel, and I just pray, and it's a concern of mine, but I just pray 
that we will not stop being a friend to Israel because those who bless Israel will be blessed. Those who curse Israel will be cursed. I want to be on the blessing side. How about you? Give God a praise if you would. The first imperative that I feel led to share with you is during this crisis this year, you know that we get into habit. It only takes about six weeks to create another habit. A lot of people have not been able to come to church to be with God's people. And the first imperative that I'm concerned about is when this comes to an end, don't forget to come back. You need to come back to the house of God. That's, I'm not saying that so we can just count heads and say we had so many hundreds of people here. I'm not saying that just so we can hopefully get more tithe and offering to pay bills. That's not the reason that I'm saying that. I'm saying that because the Scripture says, Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking our own assembly together as the custom of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see that day, the end time, draw nigh. It's very important for us to keep in mind that you and I do not belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are His servants. And we all belong not only to Jesus, but we belong to the body of Christ. We belong to one another. And the way that God has created the church for it to function is for us to be together with all of our different talents that we see here and here, to be together with all of the gifts of the Spirit that are in operation. God, now listen closely, you and your TV does not make church. Now, believe me, I have been so appreciative uh, being able to turn on and listen to good Bible teachers of the Word since Ann and I have not been able to be in church so much because of all kinds of reasons. But we miss it. We long it because she and I in a house with the TV, that's not church. There's something magical and wonderful when God's people gather together and there is a synergy, and there is an energy and an anointing because the body has come together to listen to the Lord, but also to worship Him and magnify Him and bless Him and worship Him. I worship God the best when I'm with God's people. When we come together, don't forget to come back. Amen. Romans 12 and 5, so we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members of one another. That, mean, that means you and I belong to the other people too. You belong to me, but I belong to you. And we belong to one another. 1 Corinthians 12 and 12, 
For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, one body, so also is Christ. Christ created us the body of Jesus himself. First Peter 2 and 5. I love this verse. Wish I had time to talk about it. Ye also as lively stones. Now, I want you to see that. Lively stone. There's nothing dead about God's church. You are created as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God by Jesus Christ. That same verse in ASV says, He also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Get the idea what he's saying. He has raised us up and given us life eternal. There's life in me today. I want you to know Sometimes I don't look so well. Sometimes I don't walk so well. Sometimes my voice isn't great. But I want you to know that I am so alive in the Lord. I just sense him and his presence. As soon as I came on the property today, when I walked into the sanctuary, there is a connection between heaven and my soul because we are one together with him in Christ Jesus. He puts us together, different people, different colors, different shapes with particular challenges. These balance the body, and it makes it functional. Paul wrote, if we were all eyes, where would the sense of smell be? And if we were all ears, where, how could we see? So he's saying that we're all built together to become one in Christ so we can function as the body of Christ. And you can read a lot about that in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, how the body of Christ is built together with the different gifts, the spiritual gifts, the administrative gifts, and, and then once we function and find our place in the body of Christ, the body is built up and the body increases as each one does his or her work. Hallelujah. So don't forget to come back, okay? Number two, and this is a biggie. Number two is keep safe by trusting God and use the common sense God gave us. Oh, I could preach here a while. I don't know if I've ever preached a message on common sense. But I'm going to talk a little bit of it today because how many knows that common sense is not so common anymore? God puts in us a gift. Now, I know it's not listed in Galatians 5. I know it's not listed in 1 Corinthians 12. I know it's not listed in those different places. But he gives us a gift of using common sense. Now, some people, they get so super spiritual, 
they ignore the common sense that God gives them. Now, I want you to see this, such as they'll say, it's a lack of faith to wear masks. You need to trust God. You need to believe. Isn't he a miracle-working God? Yeah, I know some pastors right now who wish they had wore a mask because parishioners in their church got COVID and died. And it's so ironic. I was sitting what was our home church. I went there by faith, believe me. And I sat in the back row because I didn't want to be around all those people who weren't wearing masks, who were not keeping space, and the ushers weren't even doing their job of keeping people divided and separated that were not, were not family. And so I didn't feel safe there. But on that particular Sunday, there was a visiting pastor, and the pastor was preaching in the pulpit. And he said, oh, we're so glad to have with us a, a couple and a pastor and his wife. And he was uh, preaching about having faith in God. And he says, and I, oh, yeah, you, you, uh, you guys had three people die in your church, didn't you, of COVID? And I'm sitting there saying to myself, where is the common sense here? You, you say people are dying in congregations. Not only are laymen dying, but preachers are also dying because they didn't use the common sense that God gave them. Now, this week I read from, I was re I'm reading the New Testament through again, and I, I read from John 7, and it just jumped out at me, and I really never thought of it this way before. But in John 7, beginning at verse 1, And after these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now, did you hear that? After these things Jesus walked in Galilee. And the reason he was in Galilee is because he knew in Judea there were a bunch of religious Jews that sought to kill him. Now, was it a lack of faith for Jesus to stay away from Judea? He's the Son of God. Why couldn't he just walk in Judea and say, I trust God. I know God will take care of me. But he gave us an example that we should use common sense. How many has ever met people that were so super spiritual? They were no good for earth. Let me see your hand. It goes on to say, now listen to this. Now the feast of the Jews and the feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, depart hence and go to Judea and that thy disciples may behold your works. He's talking, they're talking about the miracles. Which thou doest. For no man doeth anything in secret. Now Jesus talked about praying in secret, but they weren't aware of that. They, they don't do anything in secret. And himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou doest these things, manifest thyself to the world. In other words, go to Hollywood. Let everybody see you. Put yourself out front. 
so they'll know who you are. For even his brethren did not believe on him. That's what it says. Jesus therefore saith unto them. Now notice what he says. My time is not yet come. But your time, and I thought that was a little funny. Your time is always ready. <laughs> Think about that for a moment. I've got a calling on my life. I've got a purpose in my life. And there's a timetable that God has put in my life. But don't worry, you guys can go and do whatever you want because your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth because I testify of it. And I said, my, 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 I wish some preachers on television who are afraid to stand up for Christ and being born again who won't even stand up and say that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but by him. And I, I'm not, I, I am burdened for a, dear, uh, uh, a pastor in Texas, and you probably figured it out, but I am burdened. I, I, I heard a commercial he had on with his little talk box that you can get so many encouraging words from, and one of the people was praising the box. You know what he says? It's all positive. There's nothing negative. Jesus couldn't do that. Jesus had to tell the truth, the whole truth. He doesn't just talk about the goody, 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 good feelings and good things and behavior. And if you notice their message, it's more about being successful on earth and getting all of the stuff on earth than it is about laying up treasure in heaven. They don't preach, deny thyself. Take up the cross and follow Christ. Jesus himself said that. So you and I need to use common sense. And I want you to see this. Go ye unto the feast, Jesus said. I go not up unto, unto this feast because my time is not yet fulfilled. And having said these things unto them, he abode still in Galilee. He says, no, you're not going to prop me ahead of God. You're not going to get me to do something that I want to stay in the perfect will of God and I know what that will is and I'm not looking to be a superstar. I'm not looking for people to praise me because of my miracles. I am here to glorify the Father and then the Father can glorify me when the time comes. Oh, give him a praise offering, would you? Oh, it can get radical today. Mark 19, 17 through 18. You all know this, these verses, don't you? And these signs shall accompany them that believe. In my name shall they cast out demons, shall they speak in new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall in no wise hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And people take that and lose their common sense and go up in a mountain somewhere in a little wood frame building and take some copperheads with them and to prove that they have faith and they'll hold them copper head, or, or rattlesnakes and copperheads in their hand 
and dance around like that's faith. That's not faith. Listen to pastor. I'll be judged for every word I say. That is not faith. That is stupidity. Amen. Thank you, pastor. You said amen. Pastor Todd, when I was sharing with him a little bit of what I was going to speak to you about, he gave me a great illustration, and I appreciate it, and I asked him if I could use it. And he said, yes. He told me of a, little, a young lady who went to her hen house. How many know what a hen house is? All right, for those of you that don't know, it's a house with chickens. And you keep the chickens in there to go get fresh eggs. Now, I know what a hen house is. We had to live on that kind of stuff. We had a pig and we had a hen house. So we had bacon and eggs. Somebody say, praise the Lord. I got another story I could tell, but I don't want to go down too many rabbit holes. But this young lady went there in her hen house to get some fresh eggs. And so she went into the house of that little building there and where the chickens would nest. And she knew the best banny and where they would lay their eggs. So she got under there and she reached into the nest and took out several eggs. And they were fresh and great looking. Everything was wonderful. And then she decided for some reason to look further in there. And when she really looked close, there was a copperhead all curled up in that nest. And she got to thinking, well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The copperhead didn't bite me. I put my hands all in there. And he could, it must be God. God protected me. And I believe it was. And God kept his hand on me. So, you know, I'm going to stick my hand in there again. God will take care of me. And you know what happened. The copperhead bit her in the hand. And she almost lost her life. And also her hand almost rottened off her arm because she wasn't using common sense. That scripture is not talking about people doing those kinds of things. It's talking about people like Paul when he was on the island making a fire and, and a serpent jumped from the wood and bit him on the palm. He should have been dead in, in just a few minutes, but God protected him. Why? Because he didn't know it was there. And so God says, if you drink every deadly thing, and you're not, you don't know it's deadly or you're doing something and you don't know how dangerous it is, I'm going to watch over you and I'm going to protect you. But don't be stupid and put yourself in trouble and tempt the Lord your God. And, and, and Pastor Todd mentioned this, and, and when you look at the temptations of Jesus and how Satan was tempting him in Matthew 4 and had him on the pinnacle of the wall of the temple, that's the tallest part, of the wall, and he said, If you'll jump, the angels of the Lord will encamp around about you and prevent you from dashing your foot against the stone. What did Jesus do? The devil was telling him, Take a shortcut. When people see you jump and you survive and you don't even get bruised, they're going to believe your message. But what did the Lord say? He said, No, 
You're not going to tempt the Lord your God. He didn't do it. He didn't bow one time through those three temptations. And so what I'm saying to you, keep your mind in gear. Amen. Keep it in gear. Common sense. Let me bring it down to where we are. Common sense is if you don't have a job, then you have a full-time job trying to get a job. Don't you be laid off and sit at home and say, God, give me a job. I'm going to watch some television. I'm going to sit here and drink some coffee. But I know you're able because you're a miracle-working God. And I know you're able to get this person down here with that factory to give me a call or a position in some, some type of corporation, and they'll call me, and I know you can do it. It's like that guy one, one time pulled up in, into a station, and he's the, the attendant. Back then, the attendants came to the car, and the guy came to the car and said, how can I help you? He says, well, I, I need a... I need a a, a quart of gas and just a pint of oil if you can help me with that. And the guy looked at him and said, well, your tires are low. Do you want me to sneeze in them too? I, I want you to understand you spend less, if you spend less than you make, why would you want to do that? So that you can save for your retirement. That's common sense. You lay up, and the Scripture's clear about that in the book of Proverbs. Even the ants lay up for the winter. They work hard so that they can have food during the wintertime. You ought to do the same things. We need to plan and get a living will before you go into surgery to protect your family. That's not a lack of faith. That's just common sense. Common sense is making a will for your family so they won't fight over the millions you leave behind. Common sense says don't drive too fast when the road is wet. It, you don't have to be a great scientist to figure this stuff out. And so common sense says make a budget. Don't spend your rent or your mortgage money on a Christmas that you can't afford. How many is ready for an altar call? But when you need a miracle, when you've done all that you can do and you put the rest up to God, that's when God comes through. And God will do miracle after miracle after miracle and bring glory to his name. But he will not bring miracle to lazy people. Romans 8 says he works all things out for good to those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. The third one, and i got to move on here. I won't be long with this. I, I stayed on that common sense thing because... I really think we needed that. Don't lose focus. Imperative number three. Don't lose focus. 
What's focus? Focus is a vision. A vision provides focus. Stay focused in God. Have you ever noticed lately, and I've seen it on a lot of different places, have you noticed advertising today, whether it's a car, whether it's makeup, whether it's Medicare extensions, whether it's a bathtub, and you can get a free shower that's worth $800? I've never had a shower that's worth $800. But no matter what it is, medicines like Relief Factor, I, I need to try that one. Get Get, it always says, get what you deserve. It's all about you. Well, certainly we use common sense, and certainly today I'm trying to use common sense, and I'm not moving around as much, and you probably have noticed, but I'm just talking to you from my heart. And we use common sense in this as well, that we don't get so entangled with the world and things and we become drunken with the cares of life that we don't even realize that the coming of the Lord is close at hand. Proverbs 28, what I'm saying is don't lose sight of God's heart. And I'm here to tell you today in my travels, I have seen very few churches that have the heart of God. It's very sad. No wonder in our country, 80% of all churches are declining or plateaued. The church has lost it. And God has to bring us a revival, and when I talk about revival, when I talk about a move of God, how many thinks you know what a move of God is? Well, I didn't see one hand raised. When we talk about a move of God, especially in the South, and I love the South, but I, I, I know all the friendly people from the South have moved up here to the North. Not all of them, I'm just kidding. But what, what is it? What is it when we talk about a move of God? When they talk about a move of God, they're talking about a particular service and how the Spirit of God moves, they say, and, and He does. And people are prayed for, and people fall out in the Spirit, even though that's not in the Bible. But we practice it, and it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I call that resting in the Spirit. And there's a lot of times I have come for prayer that I needed to rest in the presence of God. And I'm very serious about that. I thank God for all of the things that I'm talking about. The, the, the tongues and the gifts are in operation. And that's very, very important. But what is a move of God? A move of God is not just having a good service. A move of God is not just having some evangelist come by and blow in, blow up, and blow out. That's not what a move of God is. You say, well, Pastor, what is a move of God? Well, when you look in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell upon everyone, and the Bible says that the young men began to see visions, and the old men dreamed dreams, 
And upon the servants, upon the handmaidens, I will pour out in my spirit in those days, and they will all testify. In other words, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon God's people to move them into his work for his glory. If you have a real move of God, commitment takes place. People will commit to God, commit to service, commit to walking with God, and they will prioritize and say, I have let all of that stuff own me instead of having God's way in my life, so I'm going to free myself from all that stuff, and I surrender myself to God. Have your way. I want to testify. I want to teach. I want to sweep the church. I want to shovel the snow for God's glory. The Holy Ghost anoints you to do something, not just to have a good night service and go home. That is a real move of God. Proverbs 28, it says it very clearly, 28 and 19, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Some of you have heard me quote that scripture from King James over and over and over. But that, that word vision, where there is no vision, my people perish. That word vision is talking not about having some kind of a dream or a vision that, like that. That's talking. This is talking about having a purpose of God in your life. You realize God's purpose. This has become so important to me. When I stepped out of the leadership here and, 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 and became a, a, a pastor in the sense of of uh, emeritus pastor and, and a place of honor. I, I thank God for that. But when I, that calling is still on me, see. And even though my body, maybe physically I couldn't do some things that I needed to do as a lead pastor, but I still have the calling. And one of the greatest struggles I've had since I've been retired is I want God to reveal his purpose in my life. And, and he's taken me through the desert, and I've been in the desert. And I think the reason why he takes us through the desert is to get us to be willing to do something that normally we wouldn't do. But I said to him, I need to know my purpose. And I picked up on a couple things the Lord shows me. And then with my brother David I was telling you about, he showed that to me. And, and, and he's given me a heart after pastors to help pastors to help them help their church and just be on the sideline and assist pastors any way that I can. And now I am finding my purpose. I'm finding out where I connect in the body of Christ. Every person in here in the body of Christ needs to be connected to purpose. If you're not, you will lose your focus like so many churches have. We know our vision, building champions for God's kingdom. 
We want to win people to God. That's the first step. And, and then we want to instruct them or have God bless them and transform their life. And then we want to disciple them and equip them for the works of service. Then we want to set them free and, and give them uh, our blessing on the ministry that God has called, because, called them. I want you to know that this pulpit is not the only called person here. I am not the only called person. God has called every single one of us, and don't you ever forget that. You keep the vision. You know your purpose. And I thank God for every one of you, as I said earlier, that are stepping into that leadership. I know he's coming soon. Our church is not a social club where we fellowship where fellowship is the king. I was trying to assist one church down in North Carolina, and they gave out their bulletins, and when I opened it up, I saw a whole page here and a whole page here with all, it must have been at least 10 different types of fellowship time. I didn't see one that talked about outreach. I didn't see one that talked about training and developing people according to Ephesians 4. And my heart just broke. And they're a church that's one of the oldest churches in North Carolina. And, and they've been in this situation of running about 60 to 80 people for decades. They've had pastors come in that have done a lot of harm instead of a lot of good. But the young pastor that was there, I befriended him. I spent hours every week with him. And we would talk and chat about the ministry. And I would resource him. And he had me teach some of his leaders. And I enjoyed that thoroughly. And now it's beginning to break out. And it's getting away from, oh, and, and we all know how important fellowship is, don't we? Especially right now. Uh, we know how, and I'm not taking away from that. You need to have fellowship. You need to be together. But again, don't lose the most important focus that God has put on your heart, and that is to build champions, people that can be victorious for God in life, in their home, in their church, and in their community. Don't forget that. Don't let that just lapse away. Nehemiah he talked about the vision every single month to remind the people. Jesus did the same thing, trying to get through to his disciples. Don't forget why God put ICC here. And I know that you know that. I know Pastor Todd is leading in that direction. But I want to encourage you to follow him and Missy as they lead you into that great vision that God has given us. How many know that God has put his hand on you and has called you. Let me see your hand. He has called you. I believe that. I believe that with all of my heart. I thank God. Now, what, what I'm, I'm talking about the heart, the heart of God, how he feels about the church and about the lost. If you want to see how important the lost is to Jesus, just look at Luke chapter 15 when he's accused of eating with a 
publicans and the sinners and and he was sitting down at a meal with them and the Sadducees and Pharisees began to uh, say negative things about Jesus. Don't he know he's eaten among sinners and all of that? And Jesus, that's when he told the stories in Luke chapter 15 about the lost sheep. He told you have to go after the one that's lost. Do you know there are some churches today that would rather for people to go to hell than to change their mode of operation? I, I've asked some churches just to give, curtail your, develop your first service, your Sunday morning service with a newcomer in mind. I, I, there was a young man just, just a day or two ago that was talking about how he was in a Pentecostal church and an evangelist was praying for him and began to shake him a whole lot and as he praying for him. And he said he didn't know what that guy was doing to him. They, they don't understand that stuff. And so we have to be aware of people. We have to be aware that they don't have Pentecostal backgrounds. And you're saying, are you talking about quenching the Holy Spirit? Uh, how dare you even suggest that? I, I, have, I have a complete trust in the power of God. I'm only up here right now because of the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I don't want to go into churches uh, only if to preach if they don't believe in the power of God and the presence of the Lord. How many of you have appreciated the presence of God in this service today? He has been here in a wonderful way. I love that. And I know you do. I know that. I know you love him. You love to come into his presence. You love to worship him. But I've been in churches where God was a probably a half a mile away. He was on the outside knocking on the door like the churches of Asia trying to get in, knocking on the door because he's not allowed in. And that's sad. Don't you fall into that trap as a church. You are called out to be the salt of the earth and the light on the hill. You have purpose. And put your heart, let your heart be put into the heart of God. I thank God for Christmas. I thank God that God came to us, and I'm concluding. And when, when he says Emmanuel, that means God with us. We couldn't get to God, but how many's glad he came to us and he found us? Keith, if you could come and play something, I hope you're still here. Then you'll be able. The last thing I want to say to you is keep the word of God close to you. 1 John 2, 27, abide in him. Let his words abide in you and keep abiding in him. And when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before his coming. Then you will be able to sift out falsehood and deceit. I am so concerned about many believers who never pick up the Bible to read it, to study it. They depend on their teacher in Sunday school or the pastor in the pulpit. The only time they hear the word is when they come to church. May I encourage you to get into the Bible. Some of us know just enough of the Bible for it to be dangerous. We need to study it so that when the deceit comes, we'll be able to recognize it.
and have our feet upon that firm foundation and our elbows on the windowsill of heaven looking in. See, it's hard for the devil to deceive somebody who loves the Word of God. The Word of God will keep you when nothing else will keep you. The Word of God, the book of Proverbs, if you want some common sense, just read the book of Proverbs. Read it chapter by chapter, one chapter a day for a month, and do it every day for a year. Read it through time in, a, in an interpretation, a translation that you can understand better. Get that wisdom. Get that guidance. Because there may come a day it will be hard for us to come together and join together because of persecution. And you need to get the Word in your life. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The Bible will give you so many answers. It really will. A revelation from God. And the last thing I want to mention, look up. For Jesus Christ is coming very, very soon. Sooner than many of us even know. I know he's got to come soon. I know that. I believe that. I have it in my heart. I'm looking for him. I'm not going to be drunken with the cares of this life. To where it controls me, I want to keep my eye on the eastern sky. Because when he comes, the Bible says, in the twinkling of an eye. And I studied that one time. How fast is the twinkling of an eye? Well, according to some experts, the twinkling of an eye is one millionth of a second. It is so fast that one moment you'll be here sitting in your pew and the next, not the next moment, the same moment, you'll be here sitting and then the same moment you will awaken in his presence. That's how fast he's coming. Be ready. Would you stand with me, please? I hope, I hope I said something to encourage you. You need balance in your life. You need the lordship of Christ in your life. It is possible for him to be called your Savior and not your Lord. There are some people that say, I want to go to heaven. I want to make, I want to miss hell, but I still want to run my own life. That's a dangerous place to be. What I encourage you to do is not only let him be your Savior, but let him be your captain. Let him be your general. Follow after him. Follow his will for your life keeping your eye on Jesus and don't let anything disappoint you. Don't let anything discourage you. Keep your eye on him. How many can sense that God, during this time in our history with this COVID virus, that is really becoming a time for us to evaluate our own lives with God? The Lord, and I know this without, he wants me to say this, the Lord 
is drawing you to Him. And if you will listen to Him, when we are all able to come together, you're going to see a power and a demonstration of the power of God like we have never seen in our history that will probably be for the harvest out there. I know God's taken this time to deal with us, to help us, to encourage us. I love you today. Thank you for putting up with this broken body. But I thank God for his presence here. I thank God for you. How many here desire those vital things in your life that I just mentioned to you? The common sense, of course. Looking for Jesus, yes, of course. Looking after him, stepping and clearing your life, founding it on the word of God and all of the other things that I mentioned them, not to lose focus and so forth, keeping your eye upon the vision that God has for you. Don't give up. The Lord is coming soon, but I really believe with all of my heart one of two things are going to happen in the United States. The United States will either be disciplined by the Lord because he doesn't wink at our sin. He's not going to wink at all of the beautiful babies we've sacrificed and all the young mothers that their lives have been almost destroyed because somebody talked them into doing something that's against the will of God. God will bring judgment to America if America does not repent. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that America will come back to God. I'm hoping we will repent. I'm hoping that churches will stop trying to be social places and not be afraid of preaching the whole word, the balance of the word of God. Because when Jesus Christ comes, he's not going to be impressed with our Lord, Lord, we have worshiped you we have done many miracles in your name and the Lord will speak back and say depart from me for I never knew you no I don't want to hear that what I want to hear is well done thou good and faithful servant you've been faithful in a few things I'm going to make you ruler over many hallelujah would you join with the people near you there I know you can't congregate together but will you join with the person that might be near you and let's talk to God for just a moment here before we go. And I'm sorry I was a lot longer than I thought I should have been. Father God, thank you for your love and your power. Thank you for your word that goes forth and accomplishes that which you please. God, I want you to heal hearts that are here. People that have been hurt by other people, maybe other family members, maybe some dear friends that they were close to. Heal their heart. Holidays can be a magnifier of wonderful things, but it can also magnify the things that we do not have. And I pray, Lord, that you pour out your spirit upon each life here. Encourage us, draw us near to you. Have your way. Father God, during this time, God, just fill us with your Spirit. Fill us with the gifts of the Spirit. And let us use those gifts according to your will for your glory and not for our own selves. 
It's all about you, Lord. You get all the glory and all the praise. Forgive us of our backslidings. Forgive us for not putting you first in our life. Help us to fall in love with you again afresh and anew. Help us to love you like the first time when we first got saved. And renew that. Let us not fall away from that first love that we had. Bring us back to you, Lord. And God, I honor you. I pray for our families, our marriages. I pray for our leaders. I pray for our pastors. God, be with us. Supply every need according to your riches and glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Would you mind giving him a praise offering? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year to you. I believe 2021 is going to be a great year for all of us. Hallelujah. Praise his name. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful afternoon. We love you.